Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Friday. It's Haley Salvian. It's Sean Gentilly. Uh, Bono's making an appearance in the background for anyone watching this on YouTube. Looks like he just fell off the couch, but we don't need to talk about that because we've got a pretty busy show and an exciting one because we had Canadian Olympic gold medalist, Canadian world champion defender Aaron Ambrose on the show today. We could just call her the third host of the day. She was on for most of the show. It's that it should be most of the show. More more to say than like either of us did. She's yeah. great, man. I, I we'd been yeah. trying. There'd been. There's a reason we were trying to get her on for the last few weeks. Yep. And uh, this was kind of our last go at it, right? Because if she would have, mm-hmm. she's five or six days away from having to start the pre-worlds, you know, ramp up process mm-hmm. uh, with Team Canada. So I'm glad. I'm glad she jumped on. She was. She was yep. awesome. Yeah, me too. Uh, Team Canada starts their pre-World Championship training camp next week, and then there's a pre-World game on April 1st, and then the tournament actually starts uh, on the 5th, and then the gold medal game is April 16th. So yeah, this was pretty much the last time we'd be able to have Aaron Ambrose on for the next month or so. And so I'm really glad that we did. She was awesome. We talked about a variety of topics with Erin, got a little bit into the Toronto Maple Leafs. She's a big Leafs fan. Uh, So for any Leafs fans who want to know what an Olympic gold medalist thinks about the Toronto Maple Leafs post-deadline, stick around for that. Uh, We previewed the Women's World Championships, talked a bit about the PWHPA, the kind of landscape of the women's game, got a really nice scouting report. On, on some players that we can watch at the tournament. Um, and we also had a really nice discussion with Aaron about what's been going on in the league with Pride Nights. Um, this is something that Aaron has tweeted about in the past, um, initially when Ivan Provorov didn't wear the Pride jersey for the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, didn't even warm up, excuse me, I should say. Aaron tweeted about that, and I think she was, you know, very good about talking about this with us. Um, it's something that you and I have not shied away from talking about, but I think it was it was nice to get another perspective on, especially from somebody who is, you know, an open and proud member of the LGBTQ plus community, which Aaron is. Yeah. So she came from she came into this conversation with with a different lens and a different life experience, and she was very open to to talking about that with us as well. So. Um, there's lots to dig into there with with Aaron Ambrose. Yeah, this is her. This is our community that's being directly affected by what's gone on with with the league and the teams and, and the weird rationale 
uh, behind it, and she wanted to she she wanted to talk about it. I mean, I'll, like I said, like I kind of said earlier, we'll talk to Erin Ambrose about anything, let alone something that that's that important and something that that's uh that's that close to her heart. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, she's awesome. Obviously, it's unfortunate that that is a you know a subject that has to come up in a you know a wide ranging interview with Aaron Ambrose. We wish that it wasn't something that we talked to her about, but that's what's going on in the league right now. And, and she is somebody who is open to using her platform to to discuss these things. So um, lots to look forward to in the second segment in that chat with Aaron Ambrose. Before we get to that, though. Um, Let's have a little look around the league. There's a couple things that we want to touch on in the Eastern Conference. And we're going to start in Pittsburgh, Sean, because Sidney Crosby had some heat on that backhand last night. I don't know who to credit this to. I don't know if this is real. I don't know if this is physically possible, um, but his backhand was clocked in at 68 miles per hour. Um, it also went top shelf and was shoveled in from above the hash marks. Uh, Penguins have a huge win against the Colorado Avalanche last night. They're back in playoff position. Um, two points back of the Islanders. They got a game in hand. Florida Panthers are creeping up still, though, only one point behind. I think last night, Sean, was like a really great example of Yes, we can be skeptical of the Pittsburgh Penguins and the roster that they currently have and the depth, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but Sidney Crosby is still Sidney Crosby, and he is not someone you should bet against in big games and big moments down the stretch. Yeah, I think part of the narrative that's taken hold around them, maybe uh, certainly outside Pittsburgh, because God knows Ron Hextall is getting torched here, whether it's by Rob Rossi or Josh Yoey or other other you. folks like me who are ba- who are based here. So he's he's getting no <laughs> no quarter from uh, from the Pittsburgh media, but I think there is a temptation if maybe you haven't paid attention to this team all year long or going back to the off season to say like they made some kind of mistake in extending Evgeny Malkin and or well I guess not even extending re-signing him because he was he was yeah. uh, he was about to hit the market. Bring back Malkin, extending Chris Letang, because that was technically still still an extension. Keeping those guys around, bringing the old dudes back together, trying to make another run at you know relevant games, right? Like I think it because it, it was it's a questionable decision on on some levels. Yeah. You don't typically see a team with uh, a bunch of guys who are thirty five or or so sign long term deals and you know whatever. It's not something that happens. So. It's understandable yeah. to like pick that nit and look at how underwhelming they've been as a team and look at where they are in the standings and say, like, all right, this is the problem. This is the mistake. This is why they shouldn't have brought mm-hmm. back Malkin or Latang and kind of, you know, hit hit the rebuild button. You don't want to end up in, you know, Ken Holland town when it comes to when it, when it comes to you know, like like we saw with the Detroit Red Wings where they just couldn't couldn't cut the cord and ended up throwing the franchise into a decade of you know irrelevance mm-hmm. right I get it uh, it's just not that but it doesn't apply because those guys have been great Sidney Crosby has already clinched a point per game season you know where have have all these uh, he's chasing chasing a hundred point season thirty five. Malkin's been great. Latang after a brutal start, 
on the ice and then a bunch of off-ice stuff included the death of his dad. I mean, it was a disaster, mm-hmm. multi-tiered disaster for him the, yeah. the the first few months of the season. He's he's worked himself into shape. The issue for the Penguins is that the supporting cast has deserted them. They've been yeah. terrible. It's been guys that Ron Hextall has brought in and cycled out and brought in at the trade deadline and, and you know, whatever. This is This is managerial incompetence and managerial issues yeah that are to blame for why we're sitting here talking about the penguins in a playoff fight and also mm-hmm. you know Tristan Jari has been terrible too so <laughs> lots of lots of reasons for this none of them literally none of them are the play of Sidney Crosby or the play of Evgeny Malkin yeah or the play of Crystal Tang but doesn't this still give you Detroit Red Wings vibes for lack of a better word god i hate using that term so much sure. because because it wasn't really datsuk and zetterberg's fault that the red wings like faltered in the end it was because mm-hmm. ken holland was bringing back like franz nielsen and justin yeah, applicator right. for like David way too Booth much and, and all these guys and, yeah and sure, that is sure. what is happening in pittsburgh to a sense too right is it's not crosby and malkin and latang's fault but it's the fact that the organization doesn't really have the money to add meaning to have meaningful improvements at the deadline or in free agency because they've used up all their money on, you know, Jeff Carter, even Jeff Carter, when he scored two goals last night, so it may be a bad course, time to yeah, bring up, course, you know, damn like it, Jeff randomly, Carter, shoot. Right. Um, but that is what's giving a bit of Red Wings vibes. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't mean to, um, you know, pick on other writers that other, mm-hmm. Markets, but like Matt Larkin had a a story on, on Daily Faceoff that essentially said like it's time for the Pittsburgh Penguins to let go, and he actually kind of argued like yeah this is giving Red Wings you guys are gonna have years and years and years of distress basically if you don't let it go. I think there are parallels, but I I think that is I think that is an over exaggeration on this Penguins team because of Sidney Crosby. Like, exactly. God bless Henrik Zetterberg, <laughs> not Sidney Crosby. And we knew towards the end, too, that Datsuk, like, they, they had to convince him to come back a couple times. Pavel Datsuk is not Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. You do not punt on any season ever when you have Sidney Crosby. I don't care if this is no. 10 years ago or 10 years from now or whatever. If you have that dude playing the way that he's playing, it would be a dereliction of duty. Yeah. by a general manager or a coach or a front office to punt. Mm-hmm. It would be a disgrace. And that is what I think the fear was in this city and within the the Pittsburgh fan base going into the season was it was or going into the off season was it was like are they going to are they going to do try to do some weird rebuild thing like yeah. you can't waste any any moment you have with that dude specifically. And that's why people are so mad at Ron Hextall. That's yes. what it boils down to. And we might be splitting hairs here because it's like, you know, whatever. They, they are where they are. This is looking like, on some level, a wasted season because it's like if they sneak into the playoffs, you really think they're going to beat the Bruins? Like, you really think they're going to compete there? Probably not. So no. whatever. You, you, make it, you make it in the first round and, and you get stomped. Yeah. But that's the reason the vibe around Hextall in the public opinion around Hextall has curdled the way that it has because there's a very clear sense that this is just like that he doesn't quite get it and he does yeah. and he doesn't understand the meaning of having that dude at this point 
in his career. Every year is precious. Sidney Crosby having heat on the backhand and scoring a point per game. And, and th- we've talked about this so many times too, Sean. And, and so I don't want to beat the Ted Horse on, on the, the Penguins-Ron Hextall conversation too, too much. But like it keeps coming up because we keep having these moments in the season where the Penguins are having a dip in play or Crosby will do something and something will happen. Like they're a constant topic this season because of the team that they are and the players that they have and in part because of, you know, where you live as well. Um, but the Penguins are not the Detroit Red Wings because Sidney Crosby is in the equation and Sidney Crosby is still Sidney Crosby. And and to, to your point, um, to kind of piggyback and, and pick up on, on what you were saying, like, and this is what we've talked about a lot, is like the Penguins like the issue with Ron Hextall is that he dipped his toe into the water of going all in with his core and then he kind of just stopped. <laughs> the bigger issue with Ron Hextall is that he cleared a bunch of cap space and spent it on Mikhail Granlin. Like that's the that's the that's the the most recent egregious and nobody thought he was going to clear that misstep. space. Like he did the impossible almost, I, which was I getting someone to I take cap in. Of, and so you're almost, like, ooh. I think, I think that's almost that that almost made people angrier, honestly, is because I think there was some degree of resignation. Like, all right, this team just doesn't have the dudes this year for whatever reason. It's his fault. Yeah. He brought back Kasperi Kapanen on one of the most inexplicable contracts that I've seen since I since I've started covering. Just don't covering qualify truly, him. Truly, don't Crazy. give him it's the QO. Madness. Why use that <laughs> use that money use that money to sign two other two other you know. Yeah. Very mediocre player, whatever. Like we don't need to relitigate the offseason, yeah. <laughs> but they were there because of, but they were there because of you know Hexall's decisions, and I think people had kind of made peace with that that that, that that's the way this was going to be, you know that, that 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 they were locked in, mm-hmm. and then to have them go through that pre-trade deadline flurry of creating cap space and and you know waving Jamie McGinn and trading Kasperi Kapanen and moving Teddy Bluger and create uh, Brock McGinn, excuse me. See, I I can't get brothers straight. This is like no. one of the through lines on this show. Is like I'm still mm-hmm. calling I'm still calling Chris Tana, yeah, Brandon Tana, okay. and, and vice versa. It's but wild. <laughs> but like th- they create all that space and they just you know throw it away on a dude who's yeah. 32 and one of the worst defensive you know forwards in the league. It's wild, and it, and it made people mad. And that yep. is prime the pump for this losing streak that they were on. Like that, like the, the total missed opportunity at the deadline and the in the allocation of five million dollars in each of the next two years to Mikhail Granlund like that primed the pump for people to be pissed people were ready to be mad and then the the losing streak just brought all those fears to the forefront right so it's been it has it's been wild to be around I've never seen the seen the uh yeah I've never seen the vibes around this team be be, be any worse and now you know through it all <laughs> still it in beat a playoff the spot avalanche last night and they're still they're still yep. in a playoff spot it's crazy Yep. So um, Florida Panthers only one point back. Um, Penguins are two points behind the Islanders with a game in hand. So the the wild card race in the East is very interesting. I would say that it's a three three team race at this point. Um, you know, maybe the Sens can get back into it, but I I mean I don't think so. The Sens have seventy three no. points. Islanders have eighty two. No. So I think at this point in time, one of the Islanders 
Panthers and Penguins going to miss the playoffs. Florida Panthers are 7-2-1 in their last 10. They've been playing really well since the All-Star break. Matthew Kachuk is going to get Hart Trophy votes. I mean, he's probably not going to get first place votes, but he should. Matthew Kachuk should be a finalist for the Hart Trophy this year. He's having an excellent season. Ooh, really? What? Is that, is that, I, li- I like that. That's spicy. You don't agree? I, That's I a hot agree. take? I I don't think it's a hot take. I also don't think it's going to happen. What? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think Kachuk is is going to be one of the you top know, three vote getters. Do you know I how many players have had a one hundred point season with one team and then a one hundred point season with the next, like year oh, after year, it. like with a Brit, like five, five in history, and I think one of them was Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> like I don't the, think it, the votes are going to be there for that dude. That is wild. Mm-mm. If the Panthers, if the Panthers miss out on the playoffs, I don't, I don't think people are. I don't think enough yes, people are. Yes, for sure. If the Panthers make the playoffs, though, I think Matthew Kachuk should be in the heart consideration. He of should course. be there. Absolutely, should be. There. People were talking about Tage <laughs> Thompson easy. in the heart conversation, trying to get the Sabers into the playoff race. I mean, Tage Thompson's great. We all love the big guy, <laughs> but like, it's Matthew Kachuk. Big, strong Tage sure. Thompson, who you know was a late bloomer, and everyone is shocked that the first round pick actually became very good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's three. Whatever. It's it's um, three Eastern Conference. It's it's three teams vying for two for two yes. spots in like two spots only, right? Yeah. Like neither yeah. neither of the three Islanders, Penguins, certainly the Panthers. Neither of those three teams is going to jump out of the wild card spot. Like they're no. That's oh it. God, yeah. Like the those separation. Are, those, those are those are the spots we're talking about. Yeah. There's a 10 point gap between the New York Islanders in the first wild card spot and the New York Rangers, uh, who are third in the Metro. <laughs> so that's great. Um, one final word on the Penguins, and then we're going to throw to our Aaron Ambrose conversation because this podcast cannot be an hour and a half long. And we both have uh, college basketball that we want to watch. <laughs> um but with the Pittsburgh Penguins and all this talk about, you know, spending money on the wrong pieces, et cetera, et cetera, they have around 19 million, 19.4 million dollars in cap space this summer coming off the books. Guys like, um, you know, I mean, Kulikov and Benino were, were trade deadline acquisitions and they're pending unrestricted free agents. They don't make a ton of money. They're not the big ones. Um, but we're talking like Jason Zucker, his 5.5s coming off the books. Um, you know, Dayton Heinen, Josh Archibald, their UFAs. That's not big money, but, you know, Brian Dumoulin's an unrestricted free agent as well. Like yeah. there is money. I mean, Tristan Jari, like there's significant money yeah, coming off the books. They're going to have just need- under two. $20 million to spend this summer. Do you want Ron Hextall being the one who shells out that cash as general manager? Like, do you think that's what comes next for the Penguins this summer? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I, I think he's had two off seasons to to try to build a supporting cast around these guys and hasn't been able to do it. And he's, he's had, he's had money. Like if, if it were my, if I were my team, no, I would hire. I mean, but I also have, you know, I would hire a different sort of personality type and a different sort of background just generally to to, to run whatever to run whatever team I, I was running. Mm-hmm. But do I think that he'll get one more year? I think it's I think it's certainly possible. He's got one 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 more year left on his deal as a team option after that. I haven't seen a ton of, you know, haven't seen a ton of action from Fenway Sports Group, the the owner the ownership group of of that team. So I, I would I think at this point I'd be lightly surprised if he uh if they if they made a change there, 
Okay. They need a um, goalie. They need a goalie, by the way. Like that's mm-hmm. that's low key. That's been the biggest issue for them o- over the last little bit. And then in they how came many, to the question. How many more and, kicks is Tristan Jari going to get at being the guy? Came into the season with a bunch of questions surrounding him, surrounding whether whether he could stay healthy, whether he could stay consistent, and he hasn't been either. So that's a that's a tough tough question to answer. Yep. Everybody, it's always really good to have to find a find a goalie in free agency. That's all. It's always a spot that a team should want to be in. With that, let's uh, let's go to the Aaron Ambrose conversation because we had a long chat with Aaron, covered a ton of topics, and and I think we spent a lot of time talking about the Penguins here. Uh, but that's okay; they're pretty topical. Uh, here's our chat with Aaron Ambrose. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so this is very exciting. We love doing this on the show. We have Erin Ambrose here this week. She is our Thriday guest. And this is the, yeah, Sean's like upset. We record on Thursdays, but the show comes out on Friday, Erin. So this is the Thriday podcast. Welcome. I love that. I feel like I'm in the groove for it now. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, good. I'm glad. Thank you. Like typically, Sean gets like annoyed typ- every time I say Friday, and he's just like, Ugh. no. What I always say <laughs> is, you know, something has a really good name when you have to explain it to everybody, <laughs> to everybody who comes on. Totally. Shots fired already. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Long, long day. You should, you should have seen what's going on before you jumped on. My goodness. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for doing this, Aaron. It, it's obviously. An exciting and busy time in women's hockey. The PWHPA season just ended. Uh, you've been behind the bench with the University of Toronto Varsity Blues. Uh, women's World Championships are coming up in two weeks, three weeks. Like camp starts next week yep. slash this weekend. So uh, lots to get into. Um, let's start with women's worlds, though, because tournament's coming up. You'll be at camp soon. Um, so we're going to scout the enemy, preview the tournament figure out what we need to know here. Um, but just first, like what, what's it going to be like heading into this tournament? It's in the GTA um, on home soil, back-to-back champions already. You guys have won the last three major international gold medals. You won the rivalry series too. Does the pressure change heading into a tournament when you have already won so much and you're not just trying to take the gold from the Americans. You're not trying to win back to back. Like, has it shifted at all in the last year or so? That's a very good question. And I feel like I'm not a hundred percent sure if I have a concrete answer on that. Um, Just in the sense of we haven't gotten together yet as a group, but at the Mm -hmm. same time throughout this year with our rivalry series, it was like, okay, like we understand that we are kind of, fighting to stay on top now. And that was every rivalry series game, um, even going into worlds last year in Denmark. But I think the most exciting thing is that it's not just a fight to stay there. It's a fight to get better and improve. Um, however we can as a group right now. So it's not so much, okay, we're defending world champions, two time world champions. We're defending Olympic gold medalists. It's Mm -hmm. okay. We're defending what we've created 
and this culture and this winning attitude and how can we can kind of continue to build on that and mm-hmm. grow from there. Right. I think what's super interesting, uh, the roster was released, um, I guess, 10 days ago now. You are one of the ones on it. So uh, belated congratulations to you, Aaron. Um, not a surprise at all. Um, but what's so interesting is that over these last like three, four tournaments, the roster has been like quite different based on like availability or injuries. Um, we're seeing players kind of come back into the fold at this tournament with Natalie Spooner coming back after giving birth three months ago on December 6th, which is wild. Rebecca Johnson's back. Claire Thompson's back. Danielle Sardacne is going to make her debut. Like you've got this really interesting mix right now of veterans who've been there, done that. And of course, Mary Philippe Poulin's on the team again um, and like brand new faces. So like, what can you kind of tell us about this roster that's been constructed and how your group has kind of evolved over the last few tournaments? Well, I'm super excited. Um, I think if you look at somebody like Danielle Saradacne, like I haven't gotten the chance to play with her um, and I didn't really watch the rivalry series games that much kind of tuned into the first period when they were out West. Um, mm-hmm. It was just so late. I couldn't stay <laughs> yeah, up. <no. laughs> um, obviously a lot of excitement around her. And I think that she brings an element that our young players haven't had recently. Like I think that obviously you have the Sarah Fillier who's been this dynamic offensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the Emma Maltes and the Kristen O'Neill's that have kind of been um, thrown into that fourth line, third, fourth line grind, hard to play against. And I feel like mm-hmm. Dax is a little bit of both from what I've seen. Um, she mm-hmm. lit up the NCAA this year, which is extremely yeah. exciting. And um, I, I just can't wait to chirp her for the fact that she looked off Marie Flute Plan on a two on one in overtime because that is a bold <laughs> choice. And I was here for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. She comes with the confidence. This is the fourth best on best tournament you've played in, in the last. 18 months. Yeah. Like I, with, with each one, I'm like, okay, this is when the schedule normalizes, right? Like this is, and it's not, the cycle is just completely, completely off because the world's in Denmark were, you know, whatever, nine months in August. August. It's crazy. How this last leg of this crate of this crazy, you know, this crazy schedule, you know, it's because of COVID and plenty of reasons, obviously, but what is, what what have the last nine months look like for you? And does it feel like anything's normalized here? Because like, or are you just used to it being (laughs) like bizarre and screwed up because like the timeline for you guys and I, you know, and Haley's talking about, about the roster attrition and how there's been, you know, significant changes. You know, I think I would imagine a lot of that has to do with the amount of like, high-end hockey that's, that's been crammed into these last 18 months. So what's, what's that been like? Is it, is it, is it gotten any better? Or are you just used to it being shitty basically is the question. <laughs> it's, it's been a roller coaster. I think that's been a big thing, Sean, is that we like, you go in, even going as far back as Espo Finland. So we're yeah. in Finland, the CWHL folds, and that's when everything kind of hit the fan in a sense. Yeah. Um, Cause then you go into our first year, the PWHPA gap dream gap tour, and that's a whole lot of inconsistency. And we made the most of what we could have. Um, and then you get smoked with COVID and then you're trying to adapt to all the COVID regulations. And then it's like, okay, but we got to centralize. So then it's COVID with centralization. And you look at that first world's, um, at the beginning of that Olympic cycle in Calgary, 
And it was like, we just wanted to play. Like, it was like, who cares what month of the year it is? I don't even know what year it is because it's amidst COVID. And um, that was the best way we could have obviously kicked off that Olympic cycle. Um, and then you get to February and it's like, hey, that's the end of the road. We got our Olympic gold medal. Like, this is fantastic. And then <laughs> you're like, oh, shit, we have Worlds coming up again in four months. Um, and we've kind of joked like as groups every so often, it's just like, there hasn't been an off season for us in a while. Um, so it's exciting to know that this is coming up and like, this is the end of our season now. Like this is, this is the light at the end of the tunnel in a sense. And this is what it's all leading towards is this world championship and to have it on home soil, I think makes it that much more exciting for all of us. Have you had a break since COVID? (laughs) Seriously, like, have, uh, has, has, there, has there been like a protract, like whatever? I, and I'm not talking about like long weekend or like a holiday. Like, have you been able to chill for any meaningful amount of time since say, like centralization before the Calgary tournament? Maybe we we definitely <laughs> tried to have some downtime last year after the Olympics. Um, and I think Hockey Canada did a good job of understanding that. Okay, like. We're letting the girls relax. Um, it was tough though, because after that Olympics, we had that PWHPA game, the Canada right. versus US. Game. <laughs> Didn't everyone was- come from like vacation for that? <laughs> and everyone was just yeah. gassed. The first period was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Pretty laughs> <They're much>. tired. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, it was a really exciting time. And I'm glad that we were able to do it. Um, and I understand why we did it, but it was also like, oh my gosh, we have to play another hockey game. And that mm-hmm. sounds so bad of me to say because this is my job and I love doing it. But at the right. same time, it was like, okay, it's break time. And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of us had snuck in a trip to Mexico between the Olympics and that game. Um, that's basically, so- that's basically what, what, what I was asking. Like, have you been Have you been able to <laughs> sit on the beach so in the last like, uh, so, <laughs> yes, in Mexico? And then I've got a big trip planned in April. So April into May okay. going down to Florida. So that's something that will definitely take those full two weeks while I'm away to fully decompress and then ramp back up for the off season. (laughs) Um, I think it's interesting though, because when the penguins, I'm saying the penguins, because you guys are in Pittsburgh, Sean's from Pittsburgh, like the penguins win a Stanley cup. They're not immediately doing a showcase event to like sell and market their sport. And that is something like unique to, women's hockey is you need to capitalize on the attention that is on you after winning gold. And that means don't take a break, get right back on the ice and go and sell this game to more people. And I think we're seeing that with the way that this schedule has been. It's just been nonstop because I think in, in talking to players like you and others, like you guys understand what's at stake. You understand the moment that you're in right now and kind of tying in with the way the PWHPA is trending. It seems like everyone's just in lockstep to say like, we are trending in the right direction and like, we are not going to stop this momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Haley. And I think that that's something that as frustrating as it can be as an athlete, um, I think us as female hockey players really understand it. Um, do we agree with it every time or do we want to be doing it? No, but we've said since the beginning that this isn't for us, this is for people to come after us. And that's something that we have to buy into. And, um, even if it's reluctantly doing so, we're making sure that we're doing it to make sure that 
the game is in a better place when we're all done. As far as as far as the Dream Gap tour was concerned, like you guys hit you hit Pittsburgh, you hit some new spots, right? You're in Seattle, you're in DC. Yeah. With the Southern California one mixed in there, maybe. Yeah. Like yep. is there is there any did any stand out? Like did especially especially with the with the new spots? Because I think that's that's been one of the coolest things about tracking what's gone on with you guys, honestly, is seeing the exposure of maybe some uh, some some fresher eyes and some newer audiences to to you know, yeah. your, your your end of the game. I think for me, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to Washington. Um, mm. That wasn't a new spot. They were there last year. Um, right. But it's still, I think, from what I've heard, has hands down been the best place. Um, mm. The way that the Capitals have bought into helping us out and creating such a professional environment. Um, the girls rave about it. Um, so I was definitely disappointed not to be there. I can't complain about going to Tampa. Um, but Tampa was three games in three days and that that's tough. Um, so I think like it, it was cool. Like the, for me, it was the OHL weekend that really stood out. Um, so we had the games we played for team Sonnet. We played in Niagara and we played in Kitchener. Um, and then the other two games were in Peterborough and Barrie. Mm -hmm. Um, to have the amount of fans that we had at all those games was really, really successful. And I think just promising for us, um, because it's tough. Like when you come in and out of cities for one weekend, it is hard to really captivate everybody that you want to and get them into the rink. Um, I know Collingwood was also so excited to have us. Jesse Eldrin and I went up there earlier the week before mm -hmm. and did some promotional things. And it's those small towns that I think are really successful. Um, and then like our trip to Cali was great for our last weekend but it was just so many different moving parts that it was a little bit harder to again, focus on the ho hockey side, but at the right. same time to be able to go out there and tap into that, um, that the fan base of female hockey players out there was really exciting. So I think as crazy as a year as it was, um, with all the travel and going to different places it um, we definitely did a great job in leaving our mark kind of wherever we did go. I was really just hoping you'd say that Pittsburgh was the best. That's okay. Oh, I I really base. enjoyed That's Pittsburgh. Just, that <laughs> was like the feelings. second weekend. That yeah. was the second weekend, and I it was a blur. It's unreal. <laughs> Schedule. It's track. No, Sorry. Joke. I don't even know where I was and where I, I was. Seriously, like that. Like I, I don't mean to like quiz you on your schedule, but it's like you like you look at you look at it. It's just it's just un, un, unreal. So I'm my my feelings aren't hurt. It's okay. <laughs> okay. I hope not. <laughs> Producer Danielle was at the Southern California Showcase. Where uh, she's got her PWHPA hat. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say she's got some good merch on her right now. Uh huh. Uh huh. Waiting to see so. the song stuff come out. Do you guys? Yeah. Do you guys know who the model was for that? Is there like? Is there like a? Is there like a Jerry West like logo model for the for, for the PWHPA logo? No, I don't. Is it you? Think is it you? So. No, definitely <laughs> just, not just tell me. Tell people it's you. My pony. I don't wear a pony. I wear a braid. Yeah, I've never damn. seen you with a ponytail. No, we it's got rid of strange that. observation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I always just assumed it was like Kendall or Hillary because they always have the it's too tall to be Kendall. Yeah, you're right. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall's a braid girl. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Let's preview women's worlds a little bit more because okay. um, we've talked about Team Canada, um, but like more specifically with some of the players on the roster, like who outside of the 
obvious. Like we yeah. know that Mary Philippe Poulin's the best player in the world. Yes, um, do. we know that Sarah Fillier is great, but like who do we need to keep an eye out for? Who do we need to know um, outside of the usual suspects? Like who should people be more aware of heading into this tournament? I'm going to go one forward and one D. Okay. Up front, Perfect. I'm going to go with Laura Stacy. Love that. Mm. Um, I think Stace is playing the best hockey of her career. Um, she was a pain in the ass to play against all year. And she knows that. And that's the biggest compliment I think you can get from an opposing player. Um, and I just love how she's added such a dimension to her game of being a scoring threat. I think you look at the rivalry series this year and the line of Blair, Turnbull, Emily Clark, and Laura Stacey was consistent mm-hmm. throughout them. Um, and that shows you how strong their chemistry is. Um, and I truly think that us having them as a quote unquote third line um, is a pretty damn good third line. Um, mm-hmm. Anybody you'll match it up against. So I think Stace is going to have a great tournament. She's one of the best PKers in the world. And um, yeah, she's going to have a great tournament. Then on the other side for D, um, you know, I have a soft spot for her. I know I've mentioned her to you quite a bit, Haley, but mm-hmm. Ella Shelton. Um, I cannot rave about Ella enough. Um, and that's in saying that with usually <laughs> Claire by my side, yeah, um, which I would never complain about, but Ella Shelton, we're so deep on D that, um, it does push her down a little bit more than I think it, it could, or it should. Um, but I think for Ella, I think she should have been the top defenseman, um, of the PWHPA this year with what she did for Scotiabank. Um, She's a physical presence. She's so sound defensively. And her offensive upside is something that nobody really mm-hmm. sees until it's blatantly in your face. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not just goals. Like, she creates so much that people don't see on the other side of the puck. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited for Elle. I, I said this to you once when we were talking about Ella Shelton. And I basically said this to Ella in Denmark. I didn't know she had such like a bomb of a shot oh, until the rocket. <laughs> it was a, literally like she scored this insane shot from the point and she comes out to the weird little tented media area that we had <laughs> at Worlds in Denmark. It smelled funky. Um, and I was like, have you always been able to shoot like that? Like where where did this come from? And she's like, I don't know. I never I don't and do it, it often. I probably should off. do it more. And she yeah. was just I was like, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Threat, uh, like her one-timer threat is insane. Probably one of the best in women's hockey. Um, and like her wrist shot, like she doesn't get a lot of shots blocked, but mm-hmm. because she gets it off so quickly. Like you think that the way she shoots a puck that it would take her a while, but she gets it off on and off her stick really quick. I think I, I wanted to ask about Blair Turnbull specifically. I think, um, <laughs> I, it's, you know, someone I wasn't overly familiar with with her game before the before the Olympics, right? But she she's a player who watched during that tournament, and then don't lie, you her. weren't aware of her until she broke her leg. I <laughs> I don't like your foot worse. Legend, <laughs> legend. <laughs> no, but like she's just like she's one of those players who like once once you start watching her, you kind of can't stop, right? Because of because of that hard to play against element that you talked about, and and, and whatever um, specifically is there. Um, 
what do you think's next for her on ice? Like, is, is she is, is the role that we've seen her kind of slotted in over the last couple of tournaments, like great as it is and, and, and fantastically as she plays it? Yeah. Uh, is there is there more is there more to give for her? Because I, I, I'm just like her her game just generally kind of kind of kind of fascinates me because it feels like, you know, you stick her on, on another team, she'd be farther up the lineup and that's maybe not necessarily she's been scoring more in the pw this year yeah, too like it, i think it, it's like it, interesting she's like this great i oh i never love doing the i'm piggybacking off sean's question here because turnbull's like one of my favorite players um to watch and talk about she's like this perfect two-way center that has like a really almost underappreciated offensive ability and like you like if it was the NHL, like Blair Turnbull's like the perfect third line center that you get for like a cup contender. Exactly. You know, she's like the Michael Backlund or she's like the, you know, the juice that gets the Goudreau, Coleman, Yanni Gord line going or something like not like she doesn't need an NHL equivalent, but like she's just such an interesting player with like more offense that we're seeing right now, which I think is what to piggyback off Sean is like that next step for her. Right. Yeah. Like, I think if you look at the PWHPA, like that's why it's so great what we do because people get elevated into roles that they don't necessarily have on their respective national teams. So mm-hmm. you have the Blair Turnbulls who you're seeing this offensive upside and it's like, that wasn't never not there. It's just, you have Marie Philippe Plan and Sarah Fillier at center. Yeah. Like you can't, it's not a knock against Blair. It's just the strength of our centers. And I think you also look at it like Brianne Jenner used to be a center too. Mm-hmm. Like yep. Our mm-hmm. center depth is incredible. And obviously Jenny's had so much success on the wing with Pooh and that's fantastic, but it's just Blair is so tough to play against. And Blair is every coach's dream. Blair is hard nosed. She does everything the right way as a D like, I know I'm going back to get a puck and I have Blair support all the time in the defensive zone. And it's like, it makes my job so much easier. Um, and then like, that's not even touching on how great she is in the room and what she does for us. Like, yes, there, you don't want to compare to the NHL, but like Blair Turnbull is the player that every GM would go after. Yeah. Trade deadline. Yeah. Because without her, you don't have success. And that's, truthfully what it is as a leader as the center that she is like like you look at the olympics last year and obviously we broke everybody like individually broke all these records which was great but it was like that third line is what created again third line quote unquote because Mm -hmm. the depth is insane but like that's what allows us to have the success that we do because it alleviates the stress on Pooh and Fillier with matchups or what have you. And yeah. I mean, I don't know. I love Pooh and I love Philly, but Blair's <laughs> right up there for who I want to trust um, in any situation as a center on the ice. Yeah. You know what I think would be really cool if, uh, if maybe there was, if, if Blair Turnbull had a team where she'd be the first line center on, maybe if there were a league where there were like six teams or eight teams and she was like, <laughs> and she was, and she would say the, the first line center. I think that I think yeah. that'll be pretty cool. Right, because that, that that is the cool part about about some of the dream gap stuff is is like you see that the talent spread out a little bit more, and you're like, oh, okay. This seems like you know if if and when that becomes permanent, you know these are she's you know first round pick. You know it's like yeah, uh, without a killer, killer of provide, a roster kind of player. 
Yeah. Let's set the scene. It's Blair Turnbull. She's wearing number 87 and she's the first line center for the women's Pittsburgh Penguins. You said I'll it, not it. me. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> she <laughs> loves Sidney Crosby though, right? Yeah, it's uh yeah, she does. She does. Nova Scotia girl. Yeah. It just makes sense, but we won't ask you about that. Um let's scout the enemy a little bit though, Aaron. Yeah. I stop with the scout the enemy. That's that's not they're not the enemy. I'm a, I'm American. We're not scout. <laughs> I can't scout the Americans. They don't have a team yet. I know. I know. They haven't picked it yet. Can't scout them. Is there is there somebody <laughs> who, who you expect to see on that roster that like to, how much how much do you pay attention to the to the way things are going with the, with, with that group before it's actually announced? Is is it uh, is it at all like are, are you like no. doing like like projections on, on, on your end or, or, or no, like I won't pay attention until their roster's named. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's me personally. I've always been somebody like before every game in college, I would go in to coach's room and I'd see their lineups and I would know which way everybody shoots like that kind of stuff. I'll start mm-hmm. to see, um, and their lines. Like I always, will look at their lines and see what kind of matchups there are. And, um, but until that team's named, no. Okay. Um, one a, thing about the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sean's got off. Uh, it was a, tra- it was a trap here. question with a really mm-hmm. good answer. Damn. Yeah. Give us the T. Who do you hate the most on Team USA? Just kidding. Um, but like the landscape of this tournament's really interesting though because Finland's in Group B. Japan's moved up to Group A because they won that placement game at the last Women's World Championships. Like France is going to be there, Sweden, Hungary. I don't have all of Group B off the top of my head, but like it's it's really interesting because everyone likes to talk about how it's a two horse race with Canada and the U.S. and and it is true. Like objectively, you guys are the top two teams in the world, but like two, three, four, five, six. Like there is legitimate real growth there. Like the fact that you guys have different teams in group A and you have new teams coming into this top tier of the tournament. Like what does that say about the growth of the game right now? I think it's really exciting. Um, I also think that somebody like Sweden is not far off. Um, I think you look at how their U18s did um, and they're going in the right direction. I think it was they made a lot of changes within their federation, which were needed. Um, so I think it's only a matter of time until they're right there in group a, um, then you look at Finland and obviously that was a lot of disappointment for them last year. And I think Mm -hmm. that they've showed throughout their Euro cups this year, like they haven't lost a game in any of their Euro cup challenges or whatever they call. I think, I think it's mm-hmm. yeah, they're like European tournaments yeah. over 16 games and they haven't lost a game. And that's against Czechia. That's against Sweden. That's against Germany, Swiss, like those teams that they technically have fallen below. So I think it's, it's a matter of time before they're right back up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Czechia is exciting. Um, I think Czechia has got a lot of young blood and you saw their excitement last year after winning a bronze medal, which was yeah. uh, great for them and great for their federation. Um, and in saying this, like, this is all really good stuff and we are super excited as female hockey players that this is happening, yeah. but as a member of team Canada, it's like, okay, I'm going to do what I need to do. We are going to do what we need to do to keep making mm-hmm. sure that, that gap does not shrink. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. on top and we need to keep pushing the envelope and we need to keep upgrading ourselves. And, um, 
it's up to them to figure out a way to catch up. Um, you've been coaching this year though, Aaron, with, um, University of Toronto. So let's kind of transition to that, um, on the bench with Vicky Sanahara, which is like pretty cool, obviously a Canadian women's hockey legend in, in and of itself. She was a coach of the year this year too, I believe. Like what's, um, eight years in a row. That's amazing. What's this, um, experience been like for you and what made you want to get into coaching at the U sport level? So I previously had actually coached at the University of Concordia. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with Caro and Julie, which were great years for me when I was in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, Vicky has been asking me to kind of do it the last couple of years. And I just haven't been, been able to kind of give as much to it as I wanted to before committing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year it worked out and I'm beyond grateful that it did. Uh, they brought so much joy to my life. Um, I enjoyed every aspect of it and getting to be there for nationals meant a lot. Um, unfortunately I miss when they won the Macaw cup. Um, so our OUAs, I wasn't there for that. I was in California, but I also got Noxies also Liz Knox is also on the bench. So we had a great coaching staff and, <laughs> um, like you said, Vicky is a legend. Um, and I think just to be around her not only for coaching and learning more things about the ins and outs of coaching, but um, just to hear her speak of her time in the program. And it helps me self-reflect a little bit too on what I'm doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing within my playing career. And um, I don't know if I have many more people that are more important than Vicki Sanhara in my corner. Um, And that's pretty special to say if six-year-old Aaron knew that. Um, it'd be over the moon. So it's such a rare thing to have a player who's still at the highest level coaching a high level team, high level team, like in their own right. So, is there are there things you came out of this season uh, that maybe you can use on ice yourself? Like you've like how did the did the coaching experience help you improve as a player? Like are there are there things that you bring from that experience to 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 the next one? Yeah. And I think Sean, like with that, that's why I fell in love with coaching when I started at Concordia was because I started to see things in a different light. And, um, for me as a player, I'm so methodical. Um, I'm so calculated and then getting to see the coaching side of it. Um, it validates some of it in a sense, not all of it, but, um, some of the things I understand. And I also think that that's why I love coaching so much is because I'm so meticulous about what I do mm-hmm. that it's like, to me, it's second nature, but to somebody else, it might not be that black and white for them to be able to see. Mm-hmm. So I think it allows me to see different things in different views. And that's something that's also really important for me as a player is I see things one way, but I might not be able to relate how, Claire might see them. Um, so getting to know those kinds of different scenarios. And sometimes I pick it up while coaching. Sometimes I pick it up while on the bench playing. Um, and those two things help me, I think, just be a better player and also just be a better person and communicating and better teammate. And is that something that you want to continue to pursue or like, are you interested in coaching? Like in this kind of, obviously you're still playing in your prime. So we're not in this like life after your playing career phase yet, but like, do you see yourself behind a bench? Do you want to do like hockey operations? I know 
that you're someone who's like very in tap with the NHL. Like you've texted me before. I think I tweeted out my like, it was my heart ballot or it was my Norris ballot once. And, and uh, yeah, <laughs> you had lots to say, like you're very into like the NHL, very analytical um, in the way that you think of the game. So is that something that you want to pursue, like, you know, eventually when you're done playing? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I think one of the best things right now is I have the ability to continue to play and continue on my career, but also stay in touch with what I could be doing after hockey. And, um, I know a lot of people don't have those same abilities and I'm very thankful for that, but, um, by no means am I wishing away the last however many years of my career, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. this is something I love and I'm very passionate about. So whether it be coaching behind the bench or management, um, there's definitely a lot of draw for me staying within the game in some sense. Can you, uh, can you tell me who to vote for, for the Norris? Cause I haven't really decided on anything yet can you help me yeah I, I i can i can send you a couple messages but okay, sweet, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> yeah no we don't have to talk about here, oh, that, that here. I, I, I just i, I just i just want to know i just want to know that i can fall back on on some help and like absolutely like, okay yeah thank you <laughs> i felt good i voted for roman yossi last year not kale mccarr took some and apparently some, that was like a spicy thing even though roman yossi got more <laughs> first place votes than kale mccarr anyways what do we think about the Leafs this year, Aaron? Big Leafs fan. I've seen you at games. Well, I haven't seen you at games because I don't. I'm just always I'm, at games. Yeah. I just see that you're always at games. Uh, they've got a big game tonight against the Florida Panthers. Panthers are pushing for, I mean, they're in a playoff spot now. Um, Leafs have kind of looked just okay after the trade mid. deadline. Leafs have looked mid. How are we feeling? I feel good. Um, I think one of the biggest things is like, even just relating it to uh, what I've gone through and different robbery series and different rosters is people need to find their places. Coaches need to switch things up to find or to find the best places for their players. And um, I think one of the best things is that the Leafs are in a position right now that they have the ability to try a lot of different things out. Um, It's not about who wins game number 82. So Mm-hmm. Why force that right now? I think take the time that you need to in order to prepare yourself the best heading into playoffs. And that might mm-hmm. be different than what the Boston Bruins are doing kind of leading into things. So I think with that, like, I love what the Leafs added. Um, I think a player like Jake McCabe, I think a player like Luke Shen, like those defensive ads were huge. Um, mm-hmm. I think Sandine had run his course in being with the Leafs in the sense of where was his spot really going to be? Was he really going to take over Morgan Riley? No. Okay. So let's move on and let's find something more beneficial for us on the back end, which is what I think they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think kind of going back to what I just said about finding people or finding the best spots for people. I think that's where they're at with their forwards right now. Um, just trying to find who works best with who uh, I think a big thing right now is O'Reilly's out. So we're also trying to find things, but also knowing that he's going to slot right back in in this situation. So yeah, um, there's a lot of question marks, I think. But at the same time, I don't think I'd like to play off roster more than I do this year um, for the Leafs. And who knows? Let's just get to that friggin' first round. 
<laughs> well, Sandy, he's been, he's been he's been great with the Caps too. I Not think defensively though. No. Well, okay. he's been on okay, the ice no. for like sixteen, uh, seven. Like what, he's been on the ice for like point, so, several goals against. Point being, that's it. Just seems like that seems like a beneficial trade for everybody, right? Like I, that, I think, like you said, sure. that kind of it kind of it kind of had run its kind of had, had, had run its course. Is there like a, a point, young though, player? Sorry, go. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no! Please, please, please. I was just gonna say, you got a younger player in Gustafson. Mm-hmm. You got a cheaper player in Gustafson. Pretty yeah. similar skill set. Um, and you were able to also get a pick back. So, mm-hmm. like I said, makes, he's makes a lot of sense. He's not running the top power. He's not running the number one power play in Toronto. He goes over and runs the number one power play in Washington. And he's obviously going to get his points there. Like, yeah, I always say it with me, like. The reason I'm productive and I have point production is because I run a power play with Marie Philippe Plan Brand. Yeah, like who do you pass to on PP1? <laughs> right. So it's like, it's okay, like, people are gonna when you put people in positions to succeed, they're gonna succeed. But if they don't get into that same spot, then it's no different in women's hockey than it is in men's hockey. Like mm-hmm. so. Is there is there a point during the regular season that you, Aaron Ambrose, whether 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 you're speaking as a national team member or a Leafs fan, is there a point in these next ten games where it's like they've crossed that threshold to where you're like, all right, I'm officially concerned about what's going to happen in the first round, or is it, or is it just you know whatever, keep keep tinkering until until the until the playoffs begin? Um, for me, Aaron Ambrose as a general general because I am. <laughs> I look at it. I always look at hockey the same, whether it's my yeah. own, I'm watching video of my own, whether I'm watching U of T, whether I'm watching a Leafs game, I'm always watching it as the hockey player that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say there's concern. Like we talk about it in my family all the time. Like I just keep going back to the Leafs and they keep hurting me. Like it's, it's <laughs> the worst thing in the world, but it's, I'm like, I'm not going to not invest in them. Like You're I, loyal. I am, I am a mm-hmm. loyal Leafs fan and mm-hmm. I don't care if they go on a 10 game losing streak heading into playoffs, if they would win that first round. Yeah. Whereas they could go on a 10 game winning streak and lose in the first round. Like, great. I feel good at the end of game 82, but like what happens in the playoffs? Like it really doesn't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same thing when I look at myself, like, and any team I've personally been on, like you can feel great and you can think like, Hey, we're rolling. And then like something just hits you square in the face. And it's like that, halted pretty quickly like until you win that last game is it really successful doesn't matter how you get there yeah mm-hmm. i think what the leafs could really benefit from in the first round is like an Anne renee de bien <laughs> type performance <laughs> yeah. or yeah. actually Anne renee de bien just, just or make, her. yeah make just her. available yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And would hop on that in a second. 21 <laughs> shutouts for an NCAA record. More than any man or woman in that. Yeah, uh, yeah. NCAA record, not. Yeah, not women's hockey record. Mm-hmm. There was someone, I forget who he played for, like some North Dakota Mankato. team. I think it was Mankato. It was Mankato, yeah. And there was like a big deal because he had like. 16 shutouts or something in one season and everyone's like it's a record it's a record she's just like mm, i had 21 and i was just like mm, yeah i like her <laughs> that's great <laughs> so you know we've been had you for like over 30 minutes now oh it's been 40 this has been great 
Um, final question for you though, Aaron, because this is something that Sean and I have talked about a lot on this show. And like, we obviously think it's important to continue to discuss what's going on in the NHL with Pride Nights. Um, and we think it's important to have like a diversity of voices talking about yeah. the subject. It's not just us. And sometimes we feel like we're just saying the same shit over and over again every time something new happens with this in the league. Um, you've used your platform um, on social media to talk about this before um, when yeah. Ivan Provorov decided not to participate in the Pride Night uh, warm-up. Like, do you have a thought on what's been going on in the NHL right now in regards to like teams and players not wearing Pride jerseys? Do I have a thought? No, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, let, it, let it rip, please. Uh, <laughs> as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, um, I'm disappointed. Um, I'm very disappointed in the lack of, I think, accountability that the NHL is taking to protect people from within my community. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not saying that selfishly. I'm saying that because I will bet my life that there are members of my community within the NHL. Um, and I do not believe that the NHL is doing a good enough job to make that a safe environment for those players. Um, I also want to touch on Brian Burke's comments mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because I think he... He talked about how he, he touched on just the disappointment that he had because I think what really resonated with me is that when he said a player wearing, and this is a quote, a player wearing pride colors or tape isn't endorsing a set of values or enlisting in cause. He is saying you are welcome here and you are in every single NHL building, end quote. And I think that, that's the biggest thing is that the community that I am proud to be a part of is not saying if you wear a pride sweater, you're gay. Right. The community that I am a part of is saying you're wearing a pride sweater. So you're welcome. Mm -hmm. Whether my religion believes in that, whether my culture in general, like I just, it's not, it's not so much like, hey, we're throwing this down your throat. We're just trying to create a safer environment for people that are part of the LGBTQ plus community. And that's yeah. the hardest thing for me is it started out with Provorov as one player. And now how many teams mm -hmm. have backed out of their pride nights? Yeah. Um, and sometimes I see the argument of, okay, well the military night or the St. Patrick's day jerseys, like those kind of jerseys. And I'm like, I don't want to compare apples to oranges because I don't think it is. And that's mm -hmm. not fair to do to anybody that served in the military um, or the St. Patrick, like, but you know what I mean? Like that's not, yeah. or the indigenous community, like we're not comparing those things because it is comparing apples to oranges. It's just like, but at the same time, like, okay, we have these other causes that we want to, celebrate and acknowledge and that's what pride nights are for is celebrating and acknowledging those things so no i don't think it's that different than an indigenous sweater no i don't think it's that different than 
a military sweater. I think these are important mm-hmm. things that all should be acknowledged, whether you believe that people should go to war or not. Okay, we still support and respect the people that have protected our country and put their lives on the line. Mm-hmm. So it's no different in that sense. So I think it's a long-winded answer, but um, there's just a lot of frustration and disappointment. And um, I do hope that some sort of change is taken. Um, and then secondary, the athlete in me, I've never seen in any sport, whether it be major league or not, that allows a player to play in a game that didn't warm up. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's obviously not the important thing, but like, I just couldn't ever fathom being like, eh, I ain't going out for warm up, but I'll be starting the game. That's one of those factors too. That's a weird one that I threw in there. The whole thing, the whole thing, especially with the way, with the way it's been uh, framed, I guess. I mean, and this is, Gary Bedman talk like I I was at the GM meetings you know like a couple of weeks yeah. ago and I and I asked him like okay you said that you know you framed Ivan Provorov as an issue of individual choice right like people had to respect his, his individual choice and in the meantime we're we're recording this on Thursday we had a, we had another team bail on bail on its pride night last night we had James Reimer over over the weekend there certainly the fear is that there's going to be more coming up because plenty of teams have stuff scheduled for the next you know ten days. Uh, it's just disheartening and <laughs> and infuriating, honestly, that that the same framework that was applied to Ivan Provorov, whether it's by Gary Bettman or anybody or anybody who's defending him, whatever, you got to respect his ind- individual choice. You have guys that are on these teams that have spoken about like how great it'll be to support, you know, be able to wear a pride jersey, and they're yeah. being denied that level of individual choice too. So I, I don't. That's not a. It's not even a question. It's just like. This is the way things are. It seems like it's getting worse. Like the 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 yeah. league response has, has made things worse, and you know it's not over yet. That's the super yeah. shitty part. Is that there's a lot of teams with these still on their, on their on their calendars, and it's like yeah emboldened the 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 homophobic you know, cowardly elements like in the in the front yeah. in the front offices and within franchises here. It's really. Uh, Really depressing. So I that's not even a question. It's just us us talking, I suppose. Um but <laughs> yeah, I mean I, at least that, the sharks did, like I, still yeah. wore their jerseys, right? Like James Reimer made his choice and then everyone else on San Jose did too. And they yeah. chose to make people feel welcome in that building. And I think I just wish to agree with what Sean's saying. I wish more teams would. Yeah, would, yeah if there's guys in the Blackhawks who don't want to wear it, fine, don't. Yeah. And that's that's the frustrating thing to me, I think, is like they're like, oh, we're still going to celebrate our pride night. And it's like, no, you're not like Mm -hmm. now you're just doing it to say you did it. Whereas. Like. True, like rain. It's like rain on the parade stuff. Truly, like how do you have like a successful I I know in every team who has something like this happens wants to say like, oh, we had. We did this and that, and here's the people we had involved, and here's the activations we had, and whatever. But it's like that ceases to matter whenever a player on the team swerves as abruptly and kind of grossly as, as we've seen, as we've seen and these guys. So you have the right to your personal choices and beliefs, hundred percent. So then, what yeah. makes your right more important that you get to cancel the night that I believe in? 
Mm-hmm. A lot of lot of hypocrisy at the highest levels of the league on on this one. Yeah. Thank you for saying all that, Aaron. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a great chat. Covered a lot. We stole all of your time. That's okay. And we'll do it literally anytime you want to come on. <laughs> well, are you going you to any more? Are you going to any more Leafs games? That's the question. Uh, it'll be, be on hold. It'll be on hold okay. until April seventeenth. Great. Right. Women's um, Worlds. Second round, maybe? <laughs> you go to the second <laughs> yeah, round. Yeah. Okay, there we go. <laughs> mm, fun. Well, thank I'll see you, you at camp. I apologize that it uh, took a little while to occur, but thank you for having me. No, no don't Thank don't you work. so much for coming. We on. were happy this, to this wait. Awesome. You guys. All right, welcome back. Uh, thanks again to Aaron Ambrose for, for doing that. It was a great conversation. Covered a lot. We were really happy to have her on the show. Um, if you like what she had to say, you're interested in Women's World Championships, that is from April 5th to 16th in Brampton, Ontario. Uh, we'll have lots of coverage for that on The Athletic. I will be at the tournament for the entire time. I'm sure Sean's going to you know, do some live blogging for it. He's kind of been the like you know, just, like in-house American blogger. It, enjoy it on my own accord. Enjoy the U.S. lose a gold medal again. Stop whatever stop volunteering me for work i just want to watch these games and enjoy myself please all right so we'll see who does the live blog with me um but we're going to bring back the draft for for this final segment of the show and this was a a good idea from danielle so a story that's coming out this morning that is friday morning um is from mark lazarus scott powers and julian mckenzie it's the nhl goal song rankings from grunge to jock jams and everything in between there was a, a survey out to to subscribers, to fans asking. <laughs> I, I want to say, hold on a second. I want to say that that's the headline that that you're reading off of. That's not something like off the dome. Where you're like, oh, from grunge. I know. Grunge, I'm. Grunge I was reading what the story was. I just. I'm trying to preemptively defend you there because that sounds super corny. <laughs> so whatever. Grunge, grunge, the jock teams, and everything in between. I was reading the headline of the I know, story so that's people what I, know that's they what I'm read saying. it. That's what I'm saying. It's not it's not something you cooked up on your own. You're just you're just reading what's in front of you. I I understand. It's corny. So you're ball saying stuff, their though. story is corny. I'm saying the headline's corny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're basically gonna Let's steal go their back ranking. To saying that I had a good idea. Yeah, Danielle had a <laughs> yeah, great what, idea. What, where are we go? Where are them? Danielle had a great idea. We are going to do a three round draft with the three of us, myself, Sean, and producer Danielle. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> um, and we're going to draft goal songs. There are only 29 in the league, by the way. I'm, yeah. I, that's what, and a lot that's of them are bad. Me. A lot of them are bad. So oh, yes. that's why we're only doing three rounds, folks, because we don't need to get into the weeds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, we had, Aaron, we had Aaron on for 40 minutes, so let that be the star of the show. We'll just do a quick, yeah. just a taste of a draft. Yeah. Just 40 minutes of Aaron draft. and like 15 minutes of talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we can have a condensed, <laughs> we can have a, a condensed, a condensed draft. So we'll here. just move on to me winning the draft and we'll call it a day. Goodbye, everybody. It's Enjoy fine. your weekend. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's All right. fine. All right. <laughs> so I do have the first overall pick. I'm going to try not to, to have a panic. I don't like any of these songs. I mean, I mean there's a couple. There's, I like some of them. So if some of the ones I enjoy go in the second round, you know, there's going to be a problem here. So we'll see how this goes. As I was, as I, <laughs> honestly, as I, as I was going through the list, I was like, 
bad for all of us, honestly. I don't, I don't think I don't think e- <laughs> yeah. e- either the th- either the three of us like like too many on here. Yeah, uh, that, that third round is going to get a little interesting. It's, it's get particularly hairy. grim for Haley, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just somehow worse. What? Because I don't like grunge. I mean, I do. I like. I like grunge. There's like not really. Uh, we can <laughs> get into this grunge, whenever, yeah. whenever we make our picks. I, I right. there's I've, a got, grunge. I've got some thoughts. There's, let's yeah, just there's, say. That's why, like, yeah, from grunge was like, what's the other grunge song other than Nirvana on here? There isn't one. Make your pick, please. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> with the first overall pick, I'm going with the Seattle Kraken's goal song, which is uh, Lithium by Nirvana. <laughs> I think it's, oh, it's per- grunge. Imagine it's grunge. that. I love grunge. grunge. I love grunge. I wish there was more grunge. I do like Nirvana. I mean, it's a great, it's a great goal song. Like they're from Seattle, new team. I've been to Kraken games. From like Aberdeen, it's- technically. <laughs> That's like just such like a lame thing to say, you know? Correct. Yes, it is. <laughs> Like, did you learn that at the Rock and Roll Museum in Seattle or something? No. Just known it my whole life. Because oh, you live, laugh, grunge. Anyways, I think that's the <laughs> old, That's the, Whatever, it's a good pick. I like the goal song. I think it's awesome. It's super fun. I, I think part of it just fits because Kraken games are fun and they're always sold out. There's just like something very cool about Kraken scoring and then hearing a Nirvana song come on, come on the speakers, so... Sean has a uh, live laugh grunge on the back of a flannel. Yeah. <laughs> There's is there, is there a flannel? There might be a flannel in in view here. Honestly, um, yeah, I I like I like lithium as a grunge song. I I don't I think it's probably in terms of like a lot a lot of people know it and it works because it's because it's loud and whatever. Like it's it's fine. And it's, maybe it wouldn't be my personal choice for a goal song by Nirvana, but that's okay. Okay, Danielle. It's gonna be a Homer choice, but it's the best I, choice. It's bro him. God damn it! By Pennywise. In like in this, because like a lot of the goal songs in the in the NHL are just gang vocals because that's easy for people to know. Mm-hmm. Like it's haze, it's oh, it's you know woes, and it's haze. Um, but I think bro him is the best use of. A gang vocal because one, super easy to learn, and two, as you're drinking at Ducks games, as you probably would be, um, it sounds better the more drunk you are. Yeah, the drunker you get, (laughs) the better the woes sound. And Pennywise is from Southern California. Uh, Technically, they're Kings fans, which makes it even funnier. But uh, I, I I would say, yeah, the Brohim's number one pick for me. That was really low in the rankings too. It was was kind of surprising. Disgrace. It's a joke. That, it was. It's been in place for so long, too. Yeah, right? oh it's been six years, yeah. years, years. Oh six is when they picked it up. I feel like that was. I feel like they maybe ushered in like a new era of you know, gang chant, goal songs. I feel, I feel like. Right. Um, I love the pick. It's taken off the top of my list. It's okay. <laughs> um, I'm going song two by Blur. <laughs> Uh, that is the goal song of my youth because that is the one that they played at Penguins games in the 90s. So I know the Sens use it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which is fine. But I, every time I hear that song, uh, I still just think of, you know, whatever. Yarm or Yager or Stu Barnes scoring or something. It's great. It's great. Great song. Great memories attached to it. And again, it's super, super effective for a lot of reasons because it's chantable and loud, right? It's a major departure from basically every other Blur song. That's a very funny thing about song too, by the way, is like when, if you're an 11 year old who heard that song or whatever, like, like I was, you thought maybe that's what every Blur song was like. And it's not. They're, 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 you know, Brit pop, uh, dork band kind of. So, and, and that was like sort of their attempt at getting on the radio and it worked. So good for mm-hmm. them and, uh, Good for me, because as long as, as long as I got that, I was going to be happy. Uh, okay, Sean, it's you again. Second pick, uh, another one that is just disgracefully low on these rankings. We can blame blame the voters for this. Raise up, damn it, he Pablo. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> this track is over. I don't want to do this anymore. One of the most memorable choruses of all time, certainly of, you know, turn of the century rap. Uh, geographically based, because you got the Carolina element in there. Um, I, I just can't, I can't. And this this was in like the 20s, low teens on this. I, I don't want to totally spoil the, the rankings here, but it... If you are at all like me, and you guys clearly are, you're you're gonna look at this song's placement on the list and be like, "What? This is bullshit. What? What is this? Not enough rap at at, at NHL games yeah. for serious obvious, lack for of hip hop and for rap obvious it, yeah. reasons. Yeah. But but still, the the point the point stands. Um, no brainer there in that spot for me. Take your shirt off, twist around your head like a helicopter. Okay, Danielle, I'm pissed. Danielle, go ahead. Damn it, that was such a good pick. Um. I'm gonna go with Andrew WK and Penguins. It's just a, such a damn fun song. Uh, big fan of Andrew WK. It's a weird shuffle that happened there. They tried to do the Penguins. Try, they ditched it for a little bit and tried to do Jump Around, which is insane. Like I don't know why you. We can just. I thought we just moved past right. Jump Around, like as a as a as a society. But they yeah they. They brought it back. Yeah. Andrew WK, King of Partying. That's my second pick. Oh, man. I, I saw Andrew WK at Club Laga in like 2001. <laughs> oh, Blast. I deliberately, I, 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 he, he played here like while the Party Hard, like around the time Party Hard was kind of adopted mm-hmm. uh, by the team, thanks to a very successful internet campaign by. Pittsburgh sports blogging legend P. Samp. He he made that happen and willed it into existence. And I sat down with Andrew WK and just talked to him for like a half hour about hockey. It was great. Doesn't know that much about it. He's not a school kid, <laughs> but that's okay. We'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Puck Off from Pantera. I think it's fun. I think it's great live. Like they wrote it for the Dallas Stars. So like it's a legitimate like team anthem. I don't know. It just, it kind of rocks in that arena. And I've been to a lot of games in Dallas in the playoffs. That is true. Um, 
You have been there. I have been there. A lot. Yes. So I've heard a lot of puck off. Things are getting a little dicey for me. I almost <laughs> went with Tim McGraw's I Like It, I Love It with the Nashville <laughs> <laughs> But it's a mashup with the Black Keys, which don't, makes it like, very spicy. I mean, you can use that for your next pick. You I maybe. Say, don't maybe. Like don't take that from me. <laughs> Is it my pick? No, it's uh, Haley's snake draft. Oh, shit. Haley's, Haley's still pick. <laughs> oh, okay. no. Tim McGraw, here it comes. <laughs> oh, can, can I just not go next? Nope. Snake draft, you gotta pick. Just pick Tim just, McGraw. No, Tim sorry. <laughs> no, like this ta- ranking is dumb. No, like why is Chelsea Dagger third? I don't like Chelsea Dagger. Don't I don't it. like this ranking. Who picked these? <laughs> the listeners. The fans. The, the fans, I Subscribers. Think. But all the comments are so negative. Nobody likes Chelsea Dagger. I have a very funny story about Chelsea Dagger. Tell the story, will I think? During the... um. Man, when was this? It was like the 2015 Cup final. Yeah, because that, that would have been Blackhawks versus Lightning. I covered it, and we, we we would drink, like all the writers would drink after games at this like cabana bar kind of like out this outdoor bar sort of by the uh, sort of by the arena. Mm-hmm. And I so and it had touch tunes. So I like we're we're all just sitting around and I and I um I played I played Chelsea Dagger probably 15 times in a row from my phone because it was all it was all Lightning fans. Yeah, and then they and then and then they just turned off the jukebox. Wait, was that like 15, like 25 cents a play or something? You're like worth it. It was yeah. I I I played. I'm ready like, to make I, my selection. I played it. I I probably fucking put in like five dollars worth of plays in there and j- just, just just to watch people's face and watch the realization that it was happening again. And then they, they pulled the plug. Okay, the pick is in. For those about to rock, Columbus Blue Jackets with the cannon. It's fun. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, you get like the, for those about to rock, and then like, was the sound of the cannon. The cannon is as bad as, the cannon is is as frightening as everybody makes it out to be, honestly. I'm pretty sure somebody like was filming me knowing that I was going to freak out my first time in Columbus because I legitimately mm-hmm. like jumped out of my seat and it happened every single. And I'm pretty sure that was a high scoring game as well. It was right after the trade deadline. I was still covering the Sens. So I was like sitting there trying to do my deadline story and just every so often just being like, ah! <laughs> just losing the my first mind. game I covered there was the first game I covered there was for the all was the all-star game. Oh God. <laughs> just heard it like. 15 times I was ready I was ready yeah. to lose it that's anyways good, that's, I think that's that it's good value pick yeah that with the cannon it's kind of it's fun it's unique I like it okay Danielle I'm with you so we're we're getting we're getting to the the uh really lean part of the yeah uh, selection. The takeaway here yeah. is that everyone needs better goal songs. Yeah. Besides the ones we're picking today, everyone else yeah. gotta step it up. Rethink it. Yeah. More hip hop. Yeah. Less I'm generic. Still pissed at, I'm still pissed about Rachel. the Sabers yeah. don't have the Sabers don't have a goal song, and I it's, they have and, individual. Guess, no, it's because it's players. That's right. Own that's goal right. Songs. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, the Flames are on this list, but the Flames had players only goal songs too. So I wonder why it's they have TNT listed. The Sabers for years played "Let Me Clear My Throat," and I was like, I just was unaware that they I I'd forgotten that they'd gone, you know, to the individual model. Right. Which so is more fun. Pissed, okay. Danielle. Yeah, it's fun. Third round pick. Okay. I am 
gotta go with New Jersey and the Gaslight Anthem. <sighs> I knew you were gonna do it. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, because they're like the only band on this. Well, that's not really true. There's like three or four bands on this list that made a record, like a full record that I liked, and they're one of them. Yeah. <laughs> 59 sounds great. Everything yeah, after great that album. was is uh, diminishing returns, let's say. <laughs> and, ha- and Hal is off. God, that's that's two records after 59 sound, mm-hmm. I think. So whatever. But it works, man. They're very Jersey. That's for sure. Okay, Sean, the final pick of the draft. Uh, twist and shout, Isley Brothers. You know you make me wanna Kind of a standby. I mean, you hear that at sports in general, but it works. Um, should probably be a Prince song, I would imagine. But yeah, well, didn't it used to be Let's Go Crazy for a minute, and then they switched back? To I think the they might have. I think I honestly think they kind of did that after he died, and then and then got away from it again. Got it. But yeah, I mean, I love the Isley Brothers, so whatever, good enough. Okay. Also gave consideration to the Rangers' goal song, which is just called Slap Shot. <laughs> <laughs> did not. Sorry, it's a good, Rangers. Good chant, though. Good chant. Why is there so much? Why are there so many songs from the Black Keys on here? Because the Black Keys make songs for beer commercials and to be played at sporting arenas. It, it's it's sports arenas. Black Keys suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll need it to we'll need to do a fan vote to see who wins this right. week because oh, Danielle can't possibly choose. That would be unfair. <laughs> Well, yeah. We'll you know what? I think I was the underdog of this draft. I don't think anyone expected me to put together a good three rounds. I think I did okay. Yeah, you didn't pick a candy bar at all. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't freak out and say laughing. As long as, as long as drafts don't. Is there a gummy bear song? <laughs> <laughs> Smash. Smash. How does a team not have Smash Mouth? Is the question. Why aren't there any songs from the Shrek Two soundtrack? <laughs> Why is it only Shrek yeah. one? More, yeah. more hip hop, yeah. more Shrek is what we're looking yeah. for next season. <laughs> Sean's glad never I, seen Shrek. Go figure, figure this out. True, and I never will. Because I, I was like fourteen silly. when it came out, or whatever. I was too. I was, didn't care about that shit. It's a shame. Danielle, have you seen Shrek? I have seen Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> End the show. <laughs> I'm like, do I answer this question or can the show end? Let us know who won the draft. Um, I had Lithium, Puck Off, and for those about to rock, Danielle had Broheim. Uh, what was the thing? <laughs> what? 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 Brohim. Brohim. Was that a mix of Brohim and Anaheim that you just did? Yes. yes. What was the penguin song? Partyberg. Partyberg. <laughs> Someone Danielle, did you write them down? <laughs> yeah. I'll post I'll post a poll when I okay. post the, the show tomorrow. Okay, okay. We gotta get out of here, folks. <laughs> We're dying. <laughs> if you aren't an athletic subscriber, just a reminder, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show to get an annual subscription for one dollar a month for twelve wow, months. What a great deal. Goodbye, great folks. Deal. Thanks for listening. Sorry about that. Sorry about the draft. Goodbye. 